0: You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk and Brexit update on Tuesday, 8th of October. My name is Seamus Strapp from our Customer Treasury Unit, and AIB's Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan, joins us to discuss the prospects for the global economy, Budget 2020, and of course Brexit. Ollie, if we can start with the global economy, stock markets have been weak and the OECD have again reduced its growth forecast for 2019 and 2020, forecasting 3% next year. They're obviously clearly concerned, as are the markets, about the fragile nature of the situation. What have they been saying?
1: Well, as you say, markets were unnerved last week by a string of weak data. We know growth forecasts have been constantly revised down through the year. Uh, Up to now, what we've seen has been a Mark slowdown down the global economy, but it's been largely concentrated in the manufacturing sector and in international trade, which is not uh, unrelated. And indeed, um, <clears throat> the survey indicators we have from PMI suggest that manufacturing is in recession or in contraction in virtually every major economy. Now, that in itself is not a major issue because manufacturing is a small part of most economies. It's around 12% of output. But the concern of central banks, in particular in the OECD and the IMF, is that th- there's a risk there that that the weakness of manufacturing could spread into other sectors of the economy, particularly the services sector, which is the largest part of most economies. It's 70-75% of most economies. And what unnerved markets last week was a string of survey data on the um, services sector you know, for various economies showed that that's beginning to lose momentum. Um, we had very weak figures out of the Eurozone, including Germany. We had poor figures in the UK and also uh, in the US, the ISM, uh, non-manufacturing or services survey, showed a sharp drop in September. All these were September data, all showing weakening. Now, services had lost some momentum over the course of the year. Not that surprising, but was still growing at a fairly solid pace. So, hint, most economies are expect to see reasonable growth this year, but not as strong as in recent years. Uh, but the fact that the services is beginning to slow down now, and the figures were pretty weak for last week, that were published last week, were, f- were quite weak, is worrying markets, uh, and it's worrying, obviously, central banks, because the risk here is that, you know, the services starts to slow down, well, that'll start to feed into labour markets, um, start to feed into consumer spending, and what has helped underpin growth this year has been, you know, the fact that labour markets have remained solid, household incomes are growing, uh, fueling growth in consumer spending. If that leg of the table gives way, well, then you could be facing into a recession. And indeed, it wouldn't be a surprise uh, when we get the data later on this month if Germany and the UK have actually entered what we call a technical recession, which is even though unemployment is low, we could see see two consecutive quarters of declining output. So there's growing concerns about the health of the global economy. uh, No resolution in sight in terms of the trade disputes. Continued decline in manufacturing sectors, manufacturing output slowdown in global trade, and signs is beginning to spread to other areas of the economy. So that's what's worrying markets. Uh, in that regard, I would say, not only did stock markets fall last week, but um, what we saw is industry of futures, in terms of where markets think rates are going, uh, started to price in even more easing from central banks. So now the markets think that you know the US could cut rates. I mean, the Fed told us a couple of weeks ago that they're basically on hold, the data will decide. Markets think That after cutting on two occasions in the last three months, we could get another four rate cuts from the Fed, taking rates down by further 100 basis points. They've moved to price in a full quarter point cut in the UK and a couple more rate cuts uh, in uh, the eurozone as well. So markets think that uh, the central banks will be looking at these data and will act.
0: Okay, so plenty of potential challenges ahead there. And as you say, central banks have been in easing mode and will continue in, in, in that vein. Um, This week we have the minutes from the ECB September meeting and the most recent Fed meeting. There seems to be some division in the camp in in the ECB and and
1: possibly the Fed as well. Well, in both cases, I mean, a number of the council members on the ECB were unhappy that QE was restarted. I don't think they have a problem with rates being cut. But the minutes will give us a flavour of how deep those divisions run. And in regard to the Fed, uh, the Fed's quite divided. I mean, uh, there was... You know, even the vote for the for the last rate cut earlier, earlier in September, uh, you know, only only seven of the voting, of the ten voting members voted in favour. Uh, so we will see in terms of the Fed, the outlook for rates was, about half the Fed members who set rates thought rates would need to go lower. And the other half kind of top rates would remain, to, would remain unchanged or could in, increase next year. And I think they were basing that on an expectation that we get a us chinese trade deal, which would see a reacceleration activity. So, again, uh, the markets will be looking at the minutes, particularly for the Fed, to see how high is the hurdle there in terms of further easing, how strongly held are those views about the rates should remain on hold or or actually increase, and how data-dependent the Fed is. I mean, you know, the Fed Chair Powell indicated, okay, we've taken out two insurance rate cuts cuts here. From here on in, the data will decide what we do with policy. So I think... um, the markets will be looking to the minutes to see is that really the broadly shared view within the Fed that they're actually following the data here. They may have divided outlook on the rates where they're going, but really they're data dependent or in data dependent mode.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll be keeping a close eye on global data obviously in, in in the next while. Turning closer to home, Ali, uh, Pascal Donahue was due to announce budget twenty twenty this week. It's been well flagged that this is said to be a cautious budget, and I suppose that's understandable in the circumstances.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a low-key budget. Uh, it's based on the assumption that the UK will leave the EU without a deal at the end of October, so a hard Brexit. And that obviously would have negative consequences for the economy. Uh, We've got figures at the weekend showing you know, that the budget next year will... Probably moving to deficit. Uh, we the, the outturn this year is expected to be a moderate surplus again, around 600 million. But if we base it on an deal Brexit, we're heading f- for a return to budget deficits. Now, that's not surprising because the growth forecasts which underpin the budget for next year, uh, if, in an ordeal scenario, is that the economy will hardly grow just by 0.7%. Uh, you know, the underlying growth rate of the economy this year is about 4% last year, around 5 So that's a marked deceleration in economic activity. Now, that's not a surprise. Nearly all the analysis done by the central Bank or Copenhagen Economics or the ESRI all suggest that an ordeal Brexit would have a severe and immediate impact on the economy. In other words, the, the effects we felt very, very quickly... You know, the UK is going to go into recession. We're going to see a sharp fall in sterling, introduction of tariffs, delays of ports, etc. So these are all immediate impacts. So basically what happens in the economy is it stalls next year uh, in those sort of circumstances. Now, this is what they frame the budget around. So what you won't see today is the broad range of spending increases and tax cuts that are usually announced on a uh, budget day. There'll be targeted increases, particularly on the spending side, but they'll be limited. So this will be a very cautious, prudent, I would say low-key budget and the indications from the government paper published at the weekend, the pre-budget white paper was funds will be set aside of probably close to 1 billion a contingency fund which can be drawn down uh, in circumstances if no deal Brexit arises to help those sectors most impacted so we're talking about the agri-food sector particularly the beef industry, we're talking about tourism and maybe other small industries that are heavily reliant on the UK market so I mean this is probably the most prudent thing to do, uh, you know the economy is in strong shape, it doesn't need an economic stimulus at the present time, uh, so a cautious budget was probably warranted anyway so you know we're heading into negotiations maybe this week in terms of Brexit between the UK and the EU We don't know what the outcome will be So given that you know The UK is set to leave Or could leave the EU If not at the end of October But maybe shortly afterwards After UK election Without a deal uh, I think the prudent thing is To approach the budget On the basis The economy could face a major shock uh, If there's a no deal Brexit
0: Okay well let's stay with Brexit As uh, soon as you mentioned it there um, Last week the UK Prime Minister Announced details of the new protocol For Ireland and Northern Ireland And I mean, the EU response was lukewarm at best. How do you think things will pan out this week?
1: Well, I think, first of all, there was movement on the UK side. Um, What they're proposing is that Northern Ireland would would remain within the EU single market, but remain or move out the, the EU Customs Union and remain within the UK Customs Union. So that's a significant movement. And, uh, you know, the EU have to decide whether this is a basis for talks or not going forward. I hope that they make a positive decision in that regard. Uh, I think we, we do need to enter, or the EU does need to enter into discussions with the uh, UK. The, the major issue to be resolved at this stage is what are the customs arrangements for Northern Ireland if it's to remain within the EU Customs Union, or sorry, if it's to remain within the UK Customs Union. And, you know, that would be that, that would require detailed discussions. Uh, the UK proposed solution is uh, really effectively a hard border. Some sort of customs stations or checks on the land border or close to the land border between Northern Ireland and the Republic. That obviously is a non-runner from the Irish government's point of view, but we'll have to come up with alternative arrangements. I mean, if the Northern Ireland is in the UK customs union, there'll have to be some checks somewhere on trade. I think t- particularly trade that moves from Great Britain uh, to the Republic, to the Republic through Northern Ireland so I think that's what the detailed discussions need to get down and discuss the UK has moved I think it would be bad form for the EU and a missed opportunity if they don't enter formal discussions to try and come up with a solution to that customs riddle
0: Okay so as we all suspected this this looks like it's going right down to the wire Now just checking our dates so um According to the Benn Act, if there's no agreement in place by October 19th, then the Prime Minister is compelled to go to Europe and request an extension. But he's also saying that um, he's taken the UK out of uh, out of the EU by the 31st of October. So there's two contradictory statements there, which suggest that there may be a loophole
1: um, in relation to the Ben Act. What's your yeah. view on that? Well, well firstly... October the 19th the key date is October the 17th and 18th which is the EU Heads of State Summit Boris Johnson fully or expects that he'll be in a position to conclude a deal with the EU at that summit as you say failing that he'll be forced to write a letter under the Ben Act requesting extension to Article 50 uh, which is what the UK Parliament has passed into law if he's in that Situation. I think he may actually refuse to do it, and to be compelled to go before the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court will tell him to do it, and then he'll say, "Well, I've no other, uh, I've no other alternative here other than break the law. I have to write this letter, and then that clears the ground then for UK election. So uh, we'll see what the circumstances are. Is are there ongoing negotiations? Uh, it may well be the negotiations are continuing at that time. An extension will be required in any event. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think uh, he'll be very slow to write that letter. He may go to the Supreme Court and get clarification whether he has to do it or not. Uh, So it'll be very much under duress, he will say, that I have to write uh, this letter against my wishes, uh, seeking an extension to Article 50. And then a general election is expected to be held or to be called soon after that.
0: But at this late stage, an extension is probably the most likely outcome. Is that a fair comment?
1: I think it is. I I can't see, these are very detailed technical discussions in terms of how we resolve the customs issue in relation to Northern Ireland. I can't see that be done in a number of days. Um, So in those sort of circumstances, an extension is the most likely outcome. Uh, But I would say a hard Brexit is not off the table. Uh, If these discussions don't go well, and even though there may be an extension, and we don't see the UK leave at end October, uh, if the Conservative Party were to win that election, which is expected to be held in November, and there's no deal on the table, well then a hard Brexit could soon follow. And last words, uh, Ollie, to the
0: currency markets. Sterling still appears convinced that uh, a deal can be done?
1: Yes, it's trending around 89p, um, so it's close to the middle of the recent range. I mean, you know, the euro's as high as 93p in August when people really feared that no-deal Brexit was on the cards. What I would say, as I've said before, is If we get clarity on the Brexit issue one way or the other, Sterling is likely to to move quite sharply. If we get a deal on a soft Brexit, you can expect Sterling to appreciate quite sharply and quite significantly. If, on the other hand, it looks in a month's time or two weeks' time that we're heading for a no-deal Brexit, then Sterling will fall very sharply in those circumstances. So I think uh, we would expect clarity in terms of the outlook for Sterling to come, if not in the next couple of weeks, certainly in the next few months, uh, because this brexit issue is is going to be resolved i think in the next few months if not in the next few weeks but calling that is going to be difficult in terms of what way it breaks
0: ollie thank you as always for your insightful commentary and thank you for listening to our weekly podcast if you wish to stay up to date on the markets and brexit please press the subscribe button to aab's market talk on the podcast apps for ios or android speak with you next week Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.